0: My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber, I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer, and you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello and welcome back to Not Overthinking. Taymor, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right.
1: I was caught off guard this morning by the clocks. They moved forwards an hour and I didn't know that. I ended up waking up at 11 o'clock, well just before 11, thinking man what the hell happened like why, why did I sleep so much <laughs> I then maybe told me that the clocks
0: went forwards so that was a surprise but I'm over it how about you? you didn't have them, so you didn't have a because I woke up at 9 30 and I woke up feeling surprisingly refreshed and then I only realized like an hour later that oh the clocks have gone forward so it means I lost out on an hour of sleep oh nice so you wake up without an alarm is that is that your style no I had an alarm set for nine And then
1: I turned it off and went back to bed. (laughs) That's my style. Uh, I don't know what your style is.
0: No, fair play. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I am good. Uh, It's been an interesting week. Uh, Before I get into that, um, I just want to mention that, surprise, surprise, this podcast is brought to you by Brilliant. Taymor, what is Brilliant? Brilliant
1: is the best way to teach yourself maths, physics, or computer science online. Uh, They have a bunch of uh, lessons and classes on. A bunch of topics about this stuff, including sort of more uh, vogue things like cryptocurrencies and, and how all that stuff works. Uh, it's really very good. It's probably like the one of the very few legit online maths resources that properly teach you maths. So uh, check. W- w- what do people have to do? Brilliant.org
0: forward slash not overthinking? Exactly. And the first 200 people to hit that link at 20% off the annual premium subscription. Um, what, when, what do you mean it's a legit way to teach you maths? It doesn't just
1: focus on the uh, mechanical aspects of like... Here's the quadratic formula. Now you just like apply this to all these t- twenty equations, and that's <laughs> that's your maths done for the day.
0: <laughs> you know, it's not it's not like that. Yeah, it's pretty solid. It's engaging, interactive, and I've been uh, enjoying the cryptocurrency course recently. It's helped me understand all about cryptographic hash functions and how Bitcoin works, which has been fun. Um, and at the moment, I'm working through one of their uh, algorithms courses as well because I want to learn more about algorithms. And it's just kind of fun. I just I have I've I've not quite appreciated. It's like when I was when I was applying to uni, I, I was actually torn between medicine and computer science. And I feel like the algorithmic kind of here, here, here's a problem. How might you solve it using using coding? <laughs> Is like a really cool thing that I wish I'd done more of when I was younger. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, fun. thanks Brilliant for sponsoring this episode. Brilliant.org forward slash not overthinking to get yeah to get your free trial to try it out. Um, I've had I I I had a bit of a roller coaster this last hour or so because you know how I've been thinking of going back into medicine in a part-time capacity have you i made a video about it you clearly haven't seen the video (laughs) (laughs) damn all right i also made a video about how you're moving to the
1: u.s
0: (laughs) (laughs) that was a long time ago so uh leave me alone but i'm going back to medicine in a part-time capacity and you're definitely doing it yeah and like i signed up for the locum bank at my local hospital uh locum meaning just like extra shifts that you can take on whenever you like really and the paperwork has been just taking ages to organize uh because like one of the medical staffing people is on maternity leave and the, the other one was off sick and like it's basically been like three months since i've sent sent the paperwork in for stuff to be organized but we have a whatsapp group um which i've been in since like 2018 when i first started working at that hospital uh where like loads of doctors are in this whatsapp group and the medical staffing people run the whatsapp group and they just post whenever they need urgent locum cover and so I saw a message this morning saying, we're, we're, we're looking for a junior emergency department to cover this t- tonight. You know, the rates escalated, i.e. we'll, we'll, we'll pay you more, more money for doing it. You know, we're absolutely desperate. That was the vibe of the message. So I messaged the person being like, hey, <laughs> my paperwork is uh, still being processed. But if you can manage to do it in the next like 12 hours, I'm happy to do the shift. And then she was like, oh, my God, this is so good. I'm going to speak to the medical director. I'm going to kind of get this authorized, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was like, I was gearing myself up emotionally to do a shift from 10 p.m. till 8 a.m. tonight. Uh, And then I got an email from her a few minutes later, like uh, about about half an hour later being like, right, I've spoken to some people. We can't let you do the shift until the final paperwork and criminal records check and stuff is actually cleared. Whereas (laughs) initially what she implied was we could just get authorization from above and it would be legit. Yeah, yeah. so it's good in a way, like I kind of felt that, that, that sense of like, Ooh, this feels scary because I haven't been in a hospital for the last eight months. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, when you feel the fear, you do it anyway. Um, and so I did it and it's not my fault it didn't work out. So I feel, I feel good. I feel like I, I did my yeah. bit for trying to the NHS <laughs> and now it's the system's fault for being yeah. slow with the paperwork. <laughs> nice. You've done your bit. It's like when
1: you, when you, um, when you phone someone up and then they don't and pick up and you're like yes <laughs> I did my bit I phoned them they know it I know it <laughs> we both know it yeah
0: what's well, oh, even god. worse is when they ring back and then you don't pick up and then the ball's in your court again
1: <laughs> oh god
0: <laughs> yeah uh, El Classico. so that's been pretty good and yesterday morning I actually fulfilled a teenage dream of mine oh um, god <laughs> I, I bought I bought myself an Alienware gaming PC <laughs> Why? So, so you know. Okay, so for f- for those unfamiliar, Alienware is like a brand that's now owned by Dell, but like th- they've been around for years, and like they make very kind of gamer type desktop PCs w- w- with like all of the you know the powerful processors and the graphics. But the Alienware aesthetic is very much like colorful red lights everywhere, and just like looks very kind of teenage gamery. Mm. and when i was young me and my friends uh, at school um we used to go to the computer room and spec out like an alienware desktop pc to be like and salivate over it be like oh my god one day when i make money online i'm going to buy this 5000 pounds pc oh my god it's so cool you can add these lights to it yeah <laughs> and so that was my whole vibe and you know when i used to when i used to kind of make money from like either birthdays or my part time job i would fantasize about one day getting an alienware pc yeah and i I know that for you, the fantasy used to be, how many monitors can I buy with this money? One I'm going to have three monitors on my desk. And so I was thinking of building a gaming PC because I've been getting back into World of Warcraft recently and it's sick. And then I was speaking to a friend of mine and apparently the NVIDIA 3080 graphics cards are really out of stock everywhere. And so I looked at the Alien website and I was like, oh, this is actually reasonable. It looks pretty sick. And it saves me from just having to actually buy the parts and plug in, plug them in myself. Hmm. So, I ordered a game, Alienware gaming PC, and it's arriving in a month's time. So, uh, a month, what hell? I know. What, how did it feel? Did it feel as magical
1: as twelve-year-old you would have thought?
0: Um, I so not gonna lie i'm actually pretty excited about it i wow. i'm like more excited about this than i was about like the tesla for example okay yeah i just don't routinely get excited by purchases but this has genuinely been exciting why like your your current thingy world of warcraft setup the graphics are probably decent right like is it gonna oh be- no I'm, I'm playing on the on the lowest graphic settings oh okay. like I, I was doing a five-man dungeon with my guild the other day and um there's this play the, the, there was this like section where you have to walk through this pipe essentially And there's this like thing that sprays oil at intervals and you have to kind of walk through it without getting hit by the oil. And both and and, like twice I walked in, I got hit by the oil and I fell off and I had to run all the way, wasted five minutes running all the way back. Second time they were like, right, you know, Stella, that's like my uh, (laughs) username. Please don't get hit by the oil. I walk in, I get hit by the oil and I'm like, where the hell is this oil? (laughs) And then the third time around, I was like, right guys, describe to me what this oil looks like. They were like, it's literally a huge mass black of oil that's like spraying on your screen right now. And I was like, oh, my graphics settings are so low that <laughs> yeah. I could not see. Like, I literally could not see the particles of oil because I was playing on the lowest graphics setting. And then I, I turned them up to medium. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, can see the, I know what you mean now. Like, obviously, I should have avoided that. It's like literally black oil spraying across the whole screen, but I couldn't see that on the low graphics. So, partly, you know, it's it'd funny. be nice to play WoW on, on a higher graphics, but also because I've been doing streaming a lot on Twitch and like streaming and gaming from the Mac Mini at the same time. It's yeah. just a very kind of choppy, laggy kind of streaming experience. Yeah. And, you know, because I care about the fans, uh, I thought, you know, I need an Alienware desktop gaming PC. <laughs> so That sounds funny. Yeah, that's what's been going on in my um, fun employed life. What's, what, what's going on with Causal these days? You, 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 you guys have just closed another round and you're hiring more people or something like that?
1: Yeah, we're now, um, we have uh, someone joining on the business side of things. So sort of working closely with me this week on like... Thursday or something, uh, and then we'll be like six people full time. Um, yeah, I think we're off to the races. We just need to start selling this thing. I think um, we know who we're trying to sell to. I think the product is ready. Yeah, we just just got to grind it out and start making some money. So when you say someone is is being hired on the business side, what does that mean? Uh, I mean, their title will be I don't know, like head of business operations or something. Okay, but like, what does that actually mean? <laughs> Uh, it means kind of doing, a, you know, in the same way that I do a little bit of everything. Uh, they'll they'll kind of be taking a lot of that stuff off my plate. And so that means like, um, you know, we do a bunch of like cold outreach to companies that we try to sell to. And so there's some stuff to do around that. When we're actually selling someone, we need to like show them a demo of the product. Then, if they're interested, we do like a pilot project with them where we sort of help them build some causal models so they can get a flavor of what it's like. And so actually like managing and running these pilot projects takes a decent amount of manpower um, to kind of plan the sessions and, and so on. And so uh, this person will kind of be managing uh, the pilot side of things as well. Um, and then there's just a bunch of uh, other tasks that currently Lucas uh, or I are doing, for example, legal stuff, finance stuff, just like yeah, general day to day operations of, of mm. a company that uh, that this fellow would be doing as well. So yeah, it's basically like a, a, a bit of everything. Nice. I feel like I should hire a head of business operations. <laughs> that sounds sounds pretty sweet <laughs> to be
0: able to offload like
1: finance and stuff. I mean, the, the, fin- look, the finance and legal stuff is not is not huge for a company like ours. We're pretty small and it's pretty simple. Uh, yeah, I think I'm particularly I'm particularly looking forward to this guy joining because he he actually used to be one of our customers, so he really gets the product. He has, he has been a buyer of the product before. So he gets, you know, why someone might buy it, how you might want to sell this thing. Uh, and so I think he, yeah, it's just like the perfect profile for this kind of thing. Just has like a ton of context about what we're trying to do and kind of deeply understands and cares about it. Uh, so I think it'll be nice to be able to offload a bunch of mental sort of headspace uh, onto him and sort of trust that
0: and kind of he'll do a great job basically. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite nice when you can do that. It's like, I have, I have, I have that feeling with like Angus and Elizabeth for the part-time YouTuber Academy. It's like, I just know that it's, it's just so nice to not have to think about it 24 seven. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and offload that worrying about it to Angus <laughs> who, who <laughs> then thinks about it 24 <laughs> seven. Nice. So It's yeah. a very liberating feeling. Um, so thank you, Angus for that. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it would be nice
1: to offload some of this operational stuff to someone else who could focus on it. So I
0: can then think about other things 24 seven. Like what's happening with David Dobrik these days. Yeah. Did you hear about that? Mate, I've been following <laughs> with like... <laughs> at the edge of my seat every time there's a new like H3 podcast episode, sort of deconstructing the situation. And... <laughs> oh, are you watching the like analysis epi- of yeah. videos as well? Oh, really? Yeah, quite good. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite interesting. Like there was one... Uh, there was like the one hour long interview with Jeff Wittick and I just found myself watching the whole thing, obviously at double Wait, speed. who interviewed Jeff? Um, Ethan from that H3 podcast. Oh, okay. I don't know. Oh, you haven't heard about this. Like Jeff like famously... Went on this podcast where he, where Ethan and Tash, Tasha, I think, or whatever her name is, Trish, uh, Trish, that's the one. Oh, they like deconstructed him and basically wrecked him on live on air because it was a live podcast recording. And they were the and he was like complaining about the article that was written by Business Insider, and he was complaining. Is that why he took about, his like,
1: apology video down.
0: Uh, who, Jeff? Yeah, because he made one apology video
1: and then he took it down, and then he posted another one saying, "I'm sorry for the first one."
0: Yeah, so in in the first one he said that look, this isn't this isn't what what, what it looks like. Uh, Trish and the author of this article are trying to smear people and this is just not legit and I had nothing to do with it. Uh, that that sort of thing. Mm. And then when he was on this live podcast with these two people that really knew what was going on, um, he kind of folded folded like a cheap what's a phrase? Folded like a cheap suit. <laughs> yeah, is that that's a phrase. phrase? Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. Folded like a cheap suit and turns out he hadn't actually read the article they were like well have you have you actually read the article he was like yeah uh, i've read bits and pieces and they were like so you haven't read the whole article and he was like well no i, I you know i don't want to do the paywall <laughs> and oh, wow. were like, right so <laughs> this article that you're complaining about <laughs> that you made a video about you haven't actually read the article and you're attacking the author of the article okay fine mm. it, it was a bit of a train wreck but kind of interesting to watch it's weird like i don't normally engage in Uh, sort of keeping keeping track of youtuber drama but i guess because i've been watching david for such a long time mostly thanks to your recommendation uh, i I have to add it's it's like a different level of interest
1: uh, i don't know i think partly i don't i don't want to like engage too much with making with you know i think people are making quite a big spectacle of what is actually like a really serious issue and it's almost become like a reality TV show that people are watching just to like get the get the dirt and get the gossip and get the drama. Oh yeah. When absolutely. when like I think it's quite a serious issue, and I I don't know. I just I feel weird about like uh, indulging too much in yeah in in kind of I guess the sort of
0: schadenfreude and <laughs> of it, right? Yeah, fair play. Uh, I don't feel worried about that at all. So <laughs> I've been indulging <laughs> myself quite a quite a bit in the schadenfreude. and
1: mm. All right. So I thought this week, do you know, do you know what episode number last week's episode was? It was 100. Was it? Yeah. Oh, great. So we had Joey on episode 100. Yeah. So uh, I thought given that, I think we were vaguely planning to do like a reflection episode for episode 100, but then we kind of lost track. Um, So for episode 101, what we're going to do is a little reflection on the podcast so far. But before that, I need to get my lip balm. So just give me a sec. All
0: right. Yeah. Reflect. Reflect. Um, Hmm. Yeah, you know, when we started this... When when did we start this? We started this, like, this time two years ago, I think. Like, March of 2019 was when we started this.
1: Yeah, I remember we we were in France, and we recorded a couple of episodes while we were on family holiday.
0: Yeah. And... Yeah, I think for the first few episodes, it was quite good and it was easy. And then we go to a point where are like, oh, crap. Like We have to figure out what to talk about each week. I think there was a period then where I was a bit like, oh, it's, this is too much effort trying to figure out what to decide, what to talk about each week. Um, especially because this was kind of pre-pandemic where I'd be coming coming home for the weekend to record the podcast and I'd have to go back to work on the Monday. And we'd often end up recording at like 11 p.m. at night. And then I'd be like sleep, sleep deprived for work the next day. Yeah, all of that led to me being quite like, um, quite like annoyed that the podcast was a thing just, (laughs) just because of the, you know, the logistical issues associated with it. But like recently, since we've been recording remotely, it's actually, it's actually great. I just got to sit at home, (laughs) have a bit of a chat with you. And I think we've been less like, um, less high pressure about like, oh, we need to have a, a, a topic this week and we've been more, okay. We're just kind of shooting the proverbial shit as it were. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I think that I think that's interesting and worth digging into, like because I think yeah I used to get sort of worried before every episode of like oh, this is going to be the episode we have nothing to talk about <laughs> this is going to be the beginning of the <laughs> end or something yeah um, but I think we kind of got over that maybe like fifty episodes ago or something and yeah how how is there always <laughs> something to talk about
0: <laughs> I don't know I guess well, like sometimes there really isn't but we just kind of have a bit of a chat and the, there's there's always going to be something right like. I think before, I I think this has, has a lot of parallels with YouTube videos where I think the parallel with YouTube videos is that with a YouTube video, you kind of need to have a title and you need to have a thumbnail and the title and thumbnail is like ridiculously important. And that really sells the value of the video. You can't just make a video being like, let's talk. (laughs) You can't. (laughs) David can. Um, And... And so for me, like topic selection for YouTube is like a really big thing, just because title and thumbnail is is so important. I think for a podcast, you can literally just have an episode where it's like, you know what, let's have a chat and we'll figure out a title later. And the title is in a way a lot less important. I think that's partly why it doesn't feel like we need a topic. But also, it's not really a, it's not really a themed podcast. If it was like, I don't know, the Smart Passive Income podcast, or like the (laughs) Indie Hackers podcast, or like the Video Creators podcast. It's like that has a very specific value proposition. And so each episode needs to have a specific value proposition. Whereas this is just, I don't know, <laughs> just listen to us, have a chat for the most part. And occasionally it might be something that you find interesting. So I think that framing of it also makes it a lot easier to just hit record and talk. Um, and, you know, occasionally I get emails from people who want to start podcasts and they have this thing of like, you know, how will I keep on doing this? Um and my advice to them is always like, A, don't do an interview podcast because then it's reliant on you on getting guests every week. Um, and find someone who is as, find, find someone that you're like friends with or like a family member or someone who will show up for this week after week because mm-hmm. it just makes it infinitely easier to keep the consistency going. And there are those stats that like, most podcasts don't go beyond episode three and of the ones that do, most don't go beyond episode 20. Really? So I just the that. fact that you go beyond episode 20 means that your podcast is in the top X percent of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, podcasts that actually survive yeah i'm not too worried about
1: instead sort of running out of content anymore i think that's um uh, i think that's fine i think another sort of thing that's really helped is just i think it's it's fairly low friction at this point you know whenever people you know whenever like friends or whatever ask about the podcast i think a lot of people assume that it must it must be a lot of work like <laughs> man you mu- you must have to spend so much time setting up and editing and uploading and <laughs> it's yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's just super low friction. We've got like the mics sort of permanently set up in my room. The camera is like permanently set up in a corner of my room. It doesn't move. I don't use it for anything else these days. It doesn't move. And so recording the podcast is just like sitting down, turning your computer on, and then, and then you're done. Um, I mean, I guess we used, to do, we used to do the editing ourselves in the early days. Which was, I mean, very light editing. It took, what, like 15 minutes or something to, re- you know, click a couple of buttons to, to remove the pauses and, like, compress the thing and upload it. Um, I guess, you know, Angus does the editing now. I don't know how much work
0: that is. I imagine it's about the yeah. same. Maybe i would be presumptuous. I think the fact that it's a video thing, like, and because we're turning it into clips, means, means the workload is fairly fairly high i think it takes like half a day on a monday to do it or sometimes on a sunday if angus chooses chooses to work the weekend <laughs> um so uh, you know riverside w- w- what we're using to record this also has this new like magic wand feature where it ca- it just creates a video recording for you um that you can just chuck on youtube if you want so maybe there's some like i think the more we've done this the less friction it's become mm-hmm. and i think that, that that's also partly because the tools have evolved like there was no riverside or zencaster or even like zoom wasn't really a thing in 2019 um and so when we were when we would record remotely it would be like we'd be on a facetime call and we'd sort of been be recording yeah we had like, the, like a skype, skype plus and, facetime or something stupid yeah, like that <laughs> yeah. really weird kind of janky setup but now it's literally riverside.fm one click and you go and you sort it um you know full disclosure i'm an investor in riverside <laughs> Is that what they say? <laughs> yeah i think that's what people say yeah um so i don't know i think i think, I think more people should start podcasts like the the issue with a podcast is that it's basically impossible for it to grow. And the only way podcasts grow is by the medium of video, <laughs> like weirdly. Mm. Uh, like there is almost no point in starting a audio podcast. I mean, that's not true. That's just obviously not true. Isn't it? I mean, most podcasts are audio only. Plenty yeah. People are I mean, if, but like if someone listening to this would to decide, you know what, I want to start a podcast. It would be a bad idea for it to be audio only. Given the lack of shareability of audio only podcasts and the super abundance of them. Like it's a very easy way to, I feel like in the, in the, at least amongst everyone I know who does podcasting and takes it seriously, it's table stakes at this point to have a video podcast.
1: I agree. But I think the key there is takes it seriously. I think a lot of people, you know,
0: yeah, if you want to do something as a hobby, then you can do what you want. Um, Yeah. I
1: think, I think that's the position most people are in. I don't think most people are looking to start podcasts as like a a serious money-making activity. And I think I'd like the video just adds a lot of overhead, you know? It, ad- it does add friction mm. and if the, if the bar is like oh well it's, it's
0: pointless to start a podcast unless you also film it and put it on youtube then you know okay sure yeah it's 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 pointless to to start a podcast with the intent of taking it seriously <laughs> unless you're going to film it and put it on youtube or unless you're already a big name unless you're someone like chamath poly put whatever whatever his name is you know you know <laughs> if you have a lot of other unfair advantages stacked in your favor then sure you can get away with audio only but i think the way the world is going The way a podcast grows is through video these days. Yeah, there's just
1: no way to distribute audio generally.
0: Yeah. I think that's an interesting one. This this difference of like taking it seriously versus not. Like we often run into this issue with our part-time YouTuber Academy, which has just wrapped up its second cohort, where, you know, the course is designed for people who want to take YouTube seriously. It's not designed for people who want to do it as a hobby. Um, And so... But, but even so, a lot of people sign up who want to do it as a hobby and don't really have an intention to quote, take it seriously. And it's hard to get that balance between like, what advice do you give to, because if someone wants to start YouTube as a hobby, the advice is, okay, do whatever you like. Like, what are you here for? Like, why do you care? if If it's just a hobby, then why do you care about growth and stuff like that? But then there's also like, well, it's a hobby, but I also do care about growth, but it's not like I care so much about growth that I'm willing to sacrifice A, B and C. And it's kind of straddling these Mm. kind of trade-offs versus here are the things you could do. And, and, and the way that I think about this and and I explain on the course, it's like a metaphor of uh, stacking a deck. And so you've got this deck of, of cards. And if you're, if you're playing a card game, it's all kind of probabilistic. Like there are no guarantees of quote success, whatever that means, but there are ways to stack the deck in your favor. And you can stack the deck in terms of time, or you can stack the deck in terms of money, or you can stack the deck in terms of systems. Um, and the extent to which you want to stack the deck in terms of time and money, that's sort of just d- depends on what your goals are for YouTube. If you want to grow to 100,000 subscribers in a year or a million subscribers in a year, there are things you have to do. Like you can't just half-ass it and expect to, to do okay. I got, I got an email from someone the other day saying that, hey, you know, so you talk about starting YouTube. If I were to do YouTube for one hour a day for the next two years, can I make a full-time living from it? My answer was like, no, obviously not. That's like seven hours a week how on earth can you have the audacity to expect a full-time living to come of that in two years' time? That's just never <laughs> going to happen. It's just not a thing. And so <laughs> if that person has goals for YouTube involving I want to make a full-time living in two years, then you know <laughs> there are certain things that have to happen to, 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 start, to stack the deck in your favor. Whereas if you're like, oh, I'm just kind of giving a go, see what happens, then sure, do what you like. I think I think it's similar for podcasts, for drawing, painting, any, any creative thing, any business thing as well. I was speaking to someone yesterday who is starting a... SAT test prep business. Um, naturally, I was discouraging her from doing this because I felt it would be a total waste of time. Um, but her thing was that, yeah, no, I can see that, that this is probably not going to be market viable, but it will help me. It will it will, it will help teach me to code and it'll help, it'll help me learn skills about how to start, start a business. And I was like, okay, yeah, you know, that's completely fair. Starting a test prep company is a very reasonable way to learn how to code and to learn how to run a business. So yeah, yeah. it really just goes down to what are your goals for this thing? Hmm. I think partly because like our goals for this podcast have been very modest, which is why it feels so chill to record a podcast episode. Whereas if we had goals that, you know, this podcast needs to make a full-time living or something like that, then we'd be doing things probably with a bit more pressure and a bit more, a bit differently.
1: Really? I think, uh, I wish we'd started uh, doing the videos a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. We only really started that, I don't know, like three months ago or something. We had been recording them for some time before then, um... But it was Did kind of mean? it was kind of shitty. It was kind right? of rubbish, it was yeah. On, recording on a phone <laughs> or something, you know. Um, yeah, I wish we'd started that sooner. But I mean, yeah, what what would we be doing differently if we were like taking this more seriously? I, can't, I don't think we'd be doing that much differently. I Maybe we'd be know. we'd be a bit more serious about like
0: I think in terms of topic generation and like titles, we would have been taking taking things more seriously. We would have done video a lot sooner because like we knew it was a thing to do video. We would have done clips a lot sooner. We knew that was a thing. Yeah. Like, it's a lot of the stuff that we did later on because, you know, we happen to have the manpower to do it. That if we were taking it seriously from the beginning, we would have done it sooner. We would have f- done the whole kind of figuring out target audience value proposition. Uh, like, we did this in a very kind of half-assed fashion. Like, you know what, let's just slap something together and see what happens.
1: This target audience and value proposition thing, I'm, I'm skeptical of this for a podcast like ours. You know, <laughs> like, you know... How, even if you narrow down some target audience like how does that help you (laughs) it helps you in a way we're not running linkedin
0: ads over here (laughs) like it's it's helpful it's helpful when you're creating any kind of content or, or or when you're trying to serve anyone to know the who are the who are the people you're serving like if for example this podcast were aimed at i don't know 13 year old kids living in the uk it would be a different sort of podcast if it's like if if it's a podcast aimed at forty five year olds living in the US, it's a different kind of podcast, and so we we actually do have a target audience in mind. Usually, for us, do we? People, yeah, it's it's just like implicit rather than explicitly stated, and it's usually kind of people like you and me who are interested in the same kind of stuff that you and me are interested in. And I, I mean, I wouldn't say that I th- I am th- trying
1: to target those people. It's like look, for, I think for some podcasts that are about more concrete you new know, narrow topics or whatever. Yes, it's fine. Like the My First Million podcast, you know, they, they probably intentionally target it at people, you know, aged 20 to, you know, 20 to 40 who are kind of into tech or, or whatever. Right. But if you think about I don't know, something like Conan's podcast, I mean, may, maybe they're deliberately targeting it at some people behind the scenes. But I imagine Conan's podcast is just like, hey, we're going to we're going to like do this podcast. We're going to have have these actors and stuff on and we're going to have a chat and yeah, you know, I imagine they have a pretty good idea of who watches it. Like they probably know, okay, there's not many eighty-year-olds watching, uh, you know, watching Conan on TV or listening to the podcast. But I don't think, like, <laughs> I think for for a for a general podcast like something like Conan's or like ours, I, I just I don't see how this target audience thing is relevant. Like I, I can see it for your YouTube. Like if you're making study videos, yes, fine. You know, obviously there's a target audience in mind. Um, if you're making productivity videos, again, uh, yeah,
0: but. this i I really don't see it like so my point is that if we were taking the podcast quote more seriously we would sit down and actually think about this that okay who is our you know who who is the sort of person who will scream about the podcast from the rooftops like if we had to boil it down to a single avatar Yeah. yeah then then what would that person look like like for example with my youtube channel yeah there's a lot of people who who watch it but like if i had to boil it down to a single avatar who would scream it from the rooftops you know I call that avatar medic Mo. (laughs) This is like a sort of 20-year-old medical student, probably in London, probably interested in tech, probably wants to learn to read more, probably pretty bad at managing his time, probably cares about like how to study, but not so much to the point that he cares about ranking first in his year. Probably, you know, enjoys video gaming once in a while, probably wants to improve his social skills, probably enjoys board games rather than going to the club. These sorts of things, like it sounds like a sort of BSE kind of exercise, but actually just taking the time to think about this and deciding, okay, who is this person? What's their vibe? even though it even if it might not change things immediately like it wouldn't change the things that we talk about just having that in mind a helps helps with topic generation because you can think okay what are the sort of things sorts of things this person would be interested in and it also helps just targeting things at the appropriate level of the appropriate level of like uh, abstraction or like complicatedness like you explaining maths concepts if our target audience avatar was like someone who's a math student you would you would assume more knowledge than 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 you would otherwise but we know that our target target audience is not people under 13 for example therefore you don't have to explain basic maths you can you can assume a certain level so in a way we are doing it implicitly but most people would say and i would agree that if you take the time to define it explicitly it just helps you think about this in a more in a more kind of a more systematic way which is often a good thing I I find it hard to imagine what we might be
1: doing differently if we came up with this persona. Just give me one tangible thing we
0: might do differently if we came up with a, a... we haven't come up with a the persona therefore it's hard to like the 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 point is in coming up with the the way we're approaching this podcast is like we'll 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 sit down and we'll we'll figure it out as we go along. That's fine. That's a totally reasonable way to do things. But if we were taking it more seriously, we would sit down and figure out okay, who are the people watching this? Let's let's look at the stats and let's see where they where they're coming from. Let's see if there's anything we can Glean from the audience at large, we would probably do be doing things like you know marketing companies do these like surveys where you know w- what sort of topic would you like discussed on the podcast or when it comes to when it comes to socializing with friends what's your biggest challenge or what's something you often think about what's something that keeps you up at night doing some level of market research around that would I imagine give us some ideas for topics but we just never done that beyond our kind of not overthinkers Slack group we just never really done that and if you're taking for example the YouTube channel channel seriously you it's the sort of thing you would do I see. I think it also depends on
1: where you are on the spectrum of like pure art slash self-expression to like, you know, pure, <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know what, pure pandering,
0: <laughs> you know, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. But I even like about that and defining it up front or, or defining it, at, defining it at some point is helpful. Yeah, potentially.
1: Fine. I'm still skeptical, but whatever.
0: Have you had any real
1: life repercussions of the podcast? I guess the podcast is much smaller in audience than your YouTube. So I imagine any real life repercussions would have already come from the YouTube. Um,
0: there've been a couple of times where I've met, b- b- run into people on the street and they say, rather than I watch your videos, they say, I listen to your podcast. Um, so that's always nice. Yeah. I've had that a few times. They often followed up with, Oh, your brother's really cool. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I haven't <laughs> had that one. <laughs> um, you've had a, a fair bit of like, because I guess this podcast is the most public thing that you do. Yeah. So what's happened been like for you being a, a podcaster celebrity? Um, we have people slide into the DMS because they, they, they've heard you on the pod. Yeah. I get a lot of DM slides. <laughs> I do get a lot of <laughs> DM
1: slides. Uh, but most of them are sort of not very actionable. I think the podcast audience is fairly international. And so if it's a DM slide from someone across the uh, the other side of the world, then, you know, what are you going to do about it? Um, if it's a DM slide from someone, you know, in the geographical vicinity, then I have met up with people occasionally. Like I went on a coffee date last week with um a podcast listener, a DM slide. Uh it was nice. And I get a I think just getting like uh, unsolicited messages in general, like even if it's not a DM slide, but just a general like message or whatever. Uh I think that's an interesting thing. It's 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 particularly interesting when People like really open up about really personal stuff, just like in an email to you or like in an Instagram DM. Yeah, that's quite cool. That is quite cool. Hmm. I think getting, I think getting recognized on the streets and stuff is really overrated. Okay. as in, I think previously, you know, you might, you might think that, oh man, it'd be so cool if like you get recognized on the streets and people come up to you and, and stuff like that it's okay. <laughs> like it's, I think it's, I think it's neutral. Mm-hmm. I think like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice that like people care and stuff, obviously, but it's all, it's, it's also weird to be <laughs> perceived by
0: other people, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Weird to be perceived by other people. Yeah. What do you mean? Like it's weird that they have this Im- image of you and will in a way pedestalize you almost or what?
1: Um, It's weird that they have an image of you that you're not really in control of and that you have not really played any active role in, Mm -hmm. you know, I still find that strange.
0: Yeah. I mean, the getting recognized on the street thing, I think as far as like, like it's, it's, it's kind of cool in a way, but it's also often, often I feel, I, I feel a bit awkward in those situations where like the thing i enjoy is having a kind of long conversation with someone and so if it's a, if it's a coffee meetup like i do my when when it's not locked down my weekly coffee meetups in cambridge and those are great because we will sit in a coffee shop and chat for like you know anywhere from one to six hours and that's just fun especially when there's more like more than one person and then the you know the 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 group becomes just more more engaging when there's more than one person yeah um, so that's really cool but if it's like a Oh hey, I, I watch your videos. Or hey, I listen to your podcast. It's really good. It's like oh, thanks. Um, cool. Nice to meet you. Uh, that that sort of thing. Mm. Especially if like I'm in the middle of something or I'm with other people. There's only so much you can be like. Oh, how do you discover? You know, that's, let's let's have a chat. While well, my friends are waiting. Oh, you know, should I introduce you to everyone in my friend group? Oh, you know, this is this is Catherine. This is Lucia. This is like Marcus. Uh, it's just <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like, yeah. Where does that interaction go from there? Um, so I think it's it's been good. Like podcast plus YouTube channel. In that the coffee meetups are great, but the random people coming up to you in the street is, it's kind of cool, but it doesn't really, I don't think it adds a particular value to my life and probably not to theirs. I don't know. Maybe it would to theirs. I I suspect not. Mm. But I think we should definitely do more like, it would would actually be quite fun to do like a podcast listeners meetup in London or something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Stuff finishes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, or something just like, you know, we're going to book out like a Nando's table for 20. First 20 who want to book on Eventbrite or something. Here's a link. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, open it up to our members community in the first instance. And then the podcast listeners as a whole. How's our, how's our membership thing going? Oh, hang on. Wait, wait. B- before we talk about that, one thing I wanted to ask you about, like, how has your... So when we started the podcast, no one really knew who you were on the internet beyond like tech Twitter to an extent. And so you wouldn't have got that many, like, Instagram DMs of random people, like, or emails from random people, like, asking for stuff or saying that you're amazing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Now, and over time, as the podcast becomes more, has become more popular, you would have gotten more of those. So how has your attitude towards them changed over time? <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to get me to say here? <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious. I want to I understand the diminishing returns from your perspective.
1: Okay. Yeah. Look, so there's definitely diminishing returns. I think the first, the first few times it's like, Whoa, this is so cool. Like random person on the internet, you know, has like listened to hours of the podcast and, you know, they really like it. And this is really cool. Uh, I think, I think the thing, the thing to understand is that I don't like to be praised. And a lot of these outreaches, they, they're sort of reaching out to, to sort of share that they like the podcast and then there's typically some kind of praise involved, um, and I'm not really into that. And so, I think I don't feel I don't feel much when I read some some messages that I get. But sometimes I do feel something, like you know, when we read reviews, for example, with a lot of the reviews, right? Like I just I don't really feel anything. But occasionally, someone will touch on something hmm. that I that I I don't know think is really really cool or really good, or that I that I want people to touch on and that and that and then i'll feel something um maybe let me go through some let me go through some reviews okay so the praise that i the praise that i do like is when i'm called funny and we've talked about this before i think it's a different category of praise it's a group project and so when when i get messages saying that i'm funny then that feels good uh just give me a sec i think review messages that say things like you know the podcast has uh, has made me think more about like X, Y, and Z. I think I f- I feel something with those. I think messages that say things like you know me me and my friends like listen to the podcast and we like talk about it and stuff. I think I, I feel something from those. So I, I think I think I f- I- I feel something when I th- when A I I am convinced that there has been some kind of impact. And B, it's, it's, it's the kind of impact that I personally value. Mm. Now, when people say something like, well, you know, if there's, a, if there's a review or an email saying something like, oh, this is so insightful, I learned so much. That goes in one ear at, at the other. I'm, I'm not I'm not at all convinced that they're getting anything from it. Uh, I, I think, uh, and, you know, if there's messages around like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I think I'm, I'm, you know, it's made more productive or something. I just don't buy it, you know? So I, th- I think if the, if the message is aligned with, with
0: what I personally <laughs> think is valuable and if it's like convincing. So if the message says that this podcast has helped me connect better with my fellow man, you'd be yes. like, yeah, I'm all yeah. A- <laughs> the Message is This podcast has made me more productive. You'd be like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Fair play. Yeah, like what... Um, I, okay,
1: I, I also think that for some of the diminishing returns come from the fact that um i think people you know if if you're sort of consuming content from someone typically if that someone is like older than you then i think there is a tendency to yeah i think if, if you're like a teenager and you're watching youtube videos or listening to a podcast from someone who is like you know, one stage of life ahead of you. So like maybe a few years older, maybe they're, they're at university and you're at school or they've graduated and you're at university or whatever. I think there's a tendency to kind of almost seek out role models or something and turn turn people into role models in a sense. And I think in a, in a, in a lot of the messages, I think it's, it's that kind of dynamic where it is, um, you know, someone at school or university, sort of, you know, one stage of life earlier than, than you and I are. And I think in those instances, it feels like a, it feels like a very general, like, yeah, I I don't think we're doing anything differentiated in those instances. I think like, you know, any, anyone who is, you know, three to six years older than this person who films himself on a YouTube video or on podcast, they would probably, um, I don't know, maybe ascribe it more value than it should be ascribed. Hmm. Do you know know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Like I'm often surprised when I'm often very surprised when people say they learned something from the podcast, because especially when it's the episodes where you and I are just having a chat, if we're like reading out Agnes Callot's book, then okay, you know, it's, it would be reasonable that you would learn something from it. But if it's the you and I having a chat episodes, which is most of them, and people say they've learned something from them, I wonder to what extent I I occasionally wonder this for my YouTube channel as well. Like what's the distribution of people younger than us versus people older than us who feel like they've actually learned something from a podcast episode. And I think disproportionately it's people younger than us um, who will like, we're just kind of chatting and kind of thinking out loud. And it might come across to someone who is not thinking very critically about what we're saying that, Oh, these guys know what they're talking about. Yeah. That sounds legit. Cool. Yeah. And just sort of, a tendency to agree with what's being said. Although I don't think this is a particularly young person way of looking at the world. Like I I often find myself doing this when I'm reading books now. Just like I'm kind of thinking that uh, sort of on the on one hand I'm reading the book and on the other hand I've I've got this routine running in my head of like okay have they constructed this what's their argument here. Yeah, yeah. Just to- and I normally just don't don't think like that. It's only since I've started writing a book that I now start thinking in a more like, what's actually being said here? Like, do I actually agree with it? Like, how have they phrased this? And like, does this sound yeah, legit? Yeah. Or otherwise be like, cool, cool, cool. Yep, yeah, well, highlight, highlight, highlight. And it could always yeah. be <laughs> like, I, the fact that it's in a book, I yeah. would just take it at face value. Yeah, yeah. And I think if I were to be watching a YouTube video from someone older than me, uh, talking about like some skill that I think that they are legit in, I'd be, I, I would take it at face value as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's basically what I was trying to get at where sort of agreeing by default,
1: agreeing by default and like viewing us as some kind of authority just because we're a bit older. Yeah. Or like on the internet. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like that, I feel like a lot of that probably goes on and yeah, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. And this is, this is not to like, I, I, I don't want this to come across as like patronizing towards audience members who are, Younger than us because I think everything I think everyone does it I think it's like a really natural thing to do my, my point is basically that when I think that's what's going on, then it's like okay you know i i don't, i don't really i don't really feel good about that because i don't feel like i'm actually doing
0: anything there. I feel like i you know hmm. do you feel it's because a lot of the stuff we talk about are in areas so so for example when i When I get a message from someone saying that your videos about study tips changed my study life around and now I I used to be a C student and now I'm an A student, that actually feels pretty good because I feel like, okay, you know, there was no original thinking in these study videos. Like I was literally just, you know, presenting (laughs) scientific research in like an accessible format on YouTube. But the fact that it's made a difference in this person's life is like quite nice. But I think that's a very specific type of I am presenting myself as an authority in the space. And if you listen to my advice, which is actually the advice of lots of scientists and stuff, and your grades improving, and that's, that's kind of cool. But that's not really the vibe we have on the podcast. Mm. I feel like if, if someone says, you know, I really learned a lot about kids, you probably feel better about that because this is something that you care about, that you feel more of an authority in than like the average person on the street who does not really think about kids that as much as you do. Equally, I imagine if someone listens to, like you've played the consistency episode, episode two or whatever it was, to friends, and they've said, oh, this has actually helped me and made me start a blog and that sort of yeah, thing. I imagine I, that, that feels good as well. Yourself out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that feels great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's when. Yeah, if 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 like someone engages with like the kids stuff or engages with one of my, you know, one of my what I would consider to be uh, original theories on life, I, it's always really nice when, when someone specifically has engaged with that because I feel like if if I get a message that they've engaged deeply with. Like one one of these things that I really care about, then I think there's much less chance of it being a generic structural relationship of like I'm I'm just like you know some some slightly older person on the internet who happens to just you know record himself and therefore people you know people happen to listen to me and and take take me seriously for for some reason. I think yeah I th- I think that is probably the bulk of the diminishing returns mm-hmm. where. A lot, a lot for a lot of the messages i feel like if i if i were replaced with someone else who's roughly my age or something then this person would probably lap up whatever they're saying, saying as well um and i don't know maybe i shouldn't care about that maybe maybe i'm being like really egotistical here that i need, i you know I, I need to be some kind of special snowflake that's providing a truly differentiated and unique value that no one else can provide maybe that's not a good thing <laughs>
0: I don't know. I I, I, th- I think maybe you're over indexing on the age thing as well. Like, I think for a lot of people, they, they actually don't they don't think or care about how old someone is like people who don't know. I suspect that the fact that you have that the fact that you are approximately 25 years old is fairly irrelevant to 95 percent of the audience. And I suspect that 90 percent of the audience won't won't have even clocked that ab- about what your age is before okay yeah i think i think it's more of this episode yeah i think it's more of a bracket thing like anyone from like
1: 18 to 30 or oh yeah anyone up to the age of 30 might might plausibly see someone who someone who who's my demographic as being a potential authority on things and and the fact that you know we are you know i'm on a podcast makes them you know, by just by default sort of think, you know, take me seriously on things.
0: Um, yeah, I guess so. But I think it's also like the danger to not like people have agency. Like if, if, if the stuff you're saying doesn't vibe with them, they'll leave a one-star review saying, I don't know, two rich boys talking or whatever, and then not listen to the podcast again. Whereas the people who are listening are not listening because they think you and I are authorities on anything. They listen because presumably they get some kind of value out of the stuff that we talk about. Um, and yeah, I think like on, on the, on the age thing, I'm, I'm quite sensitive to the age thing because I thought it was like quite a big deal when, when, when writing my book that like, why would anyone want to listen to what a 26 year old has to say about like life advice? And everyone's been like, yeah, but like no one cares or no, no one knows or cares how old the author of a book is. Like, you know, no one knows that James Clear is like 33. It's just like not a thing that any, anyone would even think about. He could, he could be like 21 for all anyone cares. The, the fact that the fact is that it's a good book. Yeah, yeah and sure when you see him on a video you, you know he looks like an adult he doesn't look like some 12 year old kid therefore he not naturally has some authority but for the most part people who read atomic habits and the three million copies it sold, it's sold is not because they've seen the, a photo of james clear it's because the the ideas in the book are interesting and people share the ideas yeah and so i've yeah i i'm also particularly surprised when i find that there are people older than me who watch my youtube channel and get value from value from it so I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's kind of nice just because my default assumption is that only people younger than me will look up to me as, as any kind of authority and think my stuff is worth anything because of that age situation. Yeah, but The fact yeah. that people older are also getting value from it makes me think, oh, maybe there is actually value here and, and it's not, you know, maybe the, the fact that I'm older than the person watching the videos for the most part isn't really a factor that plays into it. I think maybe what's going on here is that if it's a conversation where you and I are just having a chat and shooting the proverbial shit, if someone then says, "Oh, that was insightful. I learned a lot from that conversation," maybe it feels like, "Oh, I mean, maybe there's there's a sense of well, we were just kind of shooting the shit. Like, there must be something else going on for you to think that was worthwhile, rather than the fact that it was actually worthwhile."
1: No, I don't think that. I don't think that. I think I'm I'm I don't have any qualms about shooting the shit episode, shooting the shit episodes. I think a lot of good stuff comes out <laughs> comes out from there. I think. <laughs> There's a lot of insight <laughs> in the in the shooting the shit, so I I don't I don't I, I don't find it. I'm not skeptical when someone f- claims to find value in the shooting the shit episodes. Mm. Actually, here, here's another thing that I think contributes to diminishing returns. I think a big part of why people okay, let, let me speak for myself first. You know I'm a fan of the All In podcast with Chamath and Jason and David Sachs and David Friedberg, right? Big fan of the podcast. Everyone loves this podcast. It's just so good, right? Now. I listen to every episode, and I don't think I've I don't think I've learned <laughs> any, any, anything that I could recall from for these, these podcast episodes. Right? I'm pretty. I know why I listen to the episodes. I listen to the episodes purely for the vibes. It's four guys who are really close mates bantering around. Yeah, sure, they're talking about tech, they're talking about politics, they're talking about current affairs. I don't care what they're talking about. It's four dudes who. Are just vibing and bantering around, and they know each other really, really well, and it's good vibes. and And it's like, it's nice to just listen in on that. In the same way that, you know, I, I, I think I've said this before about David Dobrik's vlogs. It's just vibes in a can. You know, <laughs> it's it's canned vibes where you just watch this thing for four minutes, and you just like <laughs> soak in the vibes. And I think I suspect that is a big part of uh, why most most people like this podcast. And I think it is a easy trap to fall into to think that oh yeah I'm I'm learning something from this podcast or whatever oh there's some insights whatever when actually it's just like raw entertainment and yeah. <laughs> and mate raw entertainment is fine like I think I think like as I've said before I think you know comedy is the only worthwhile <laughs> worthwhile thing to do in life but um, hmm. yeah if if someone if if I yeah if I get a message of like. Man, it's just like great vibes. I just listen for the vibes. This is raw entertainment. I'll be like, hell yeah, <laughs> love it. You know, I'd, I'd feel good about that. But I think, yeah, I'm just, I'm just skeptical when, um, um, yeah, I, I feel like that's most of what's going on, and most people are not aware of that, and they are maybe deceiving themselves
0: or whatever mm-hmm. that 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 there is something else going on. So it's like me playing World of Warcraft for the vibes and pretending it's for my hand-eye coordination. Right, yeah, sure. <laughs> hmm. What do you think of that? Um, and no, I'm wor- I'm worried about look. I'll be honest.
1: I'm worried about how I'm coming across here. Look, uh, yeah, it probably comes across that like Tane was just basically saying like a big fuck you to the audience, and he's like you know, uh, you know stripping them of their agency and assuming their intentions and uh, you know assuming that you know they don't know... whatever. <laughs> I'm okay. As as I've mentioned uh, on previous episodes about other topics. I am speaking at a very low resolution here. I'm speaking in terms of like large structural effects that I think go on. I'm not speaking about any particular individual saying that this is what's going on. I'm just saying these are large structural effects. Similar to, I mean, yeah, we talked about this on the episode with Joey, right? Similar to, you know, saying that Ali, you should wear a black t-shirt when you go on a date. You're talking about some, you know, a very like low resolution structural thing um, that you think is a contributing factor to, to something. You're not saying that like the person I went on a date with last week, you know, only likes me because of my black teacher, you know. So
0: yeah, just want to do some hedging there. Nice. Yeah. That's good hedging. Worth adding that in. Um, so we, we started off this stories of conversation talking about diminishing returns. Um,
1: I mean, yeah, I, I've talked about diminishing returns for me. What are they for you? And I appreciate that if, if it were the case for either of us, that actually we, you know, we felt absolutely nothing whenever we read any of these messages. It's not something we'd say on the podcast.
0: <laughs> so hmm. yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, for me, I kind of lump comments about my YouTube channel and comments about the podcast in sort of the the, the, the same category of comments from the Internet. Okay, yeah. And given that there, there, there are like a thousand a day of those, it's very hard to feel something for everyone. <laughs> and for the most part, I feel absolutely nothing for the vast majority of these comments. Yeah. Uh, it's just like the ones, the ones that comment on specific things, that, as you said, are the ones that kind of go through the noise. Uh, so for example, if if someone says I'm funny, I always take that as like the biggest compliment <laughs> uh, just because it happens so rarely. Uh, yeah. If if someone says that, oh, those biceps are looking good, I often take that. I often take that as like, oh yeah, you know, this, this yeah. feels good because... This is literally something I'm working towards. If someone says I really like the way you talk, I quite I quite like that because I'm like, oh, that's that that's kind of sweet. Um, if it's a comment around something very specific, like I, you know, I did a video the other day talking about like my toxic relationship with productivity hashtag clickbait by title. Um, but there were quite a few comments from other YouTubers who commented on that, saying that, oh wow, this is this exactly the stuff I was feeling, and he really articulated what what I was thinking, and you know that that kind of stuff feels good. But often like. I find myself doing that thing when I'm on the toilet where I'll look through my 99 plus Instagram DM notifications, look, flick, look, flick, look, flick, and just sort of mm, add yeah, more, yeah. take in what the message is, is, is saying. Yeah. If it's like a long wall of text, I'll like do a thing where I'm like, okay, uh, because now you can see if they've got like three followers and three following, then, you know, chances are they're, they're not particularly active on Instagram. I can probably discount most of what they're saying and I'll, I'll have a quick glance through it to see, okay, anything interesting here? No, okay, move on, move on, move on occasionally there is something interesting maybe one every 30 messages where if like especially if it's if it's for example someone who's gotten into medical school and they're saying thank you then i'd i'd reply to that be like oh this is amazing you know this is kind of cool if it's comments about the study stuff i reply being like oh that's cool thanks um but yeah for the most part it is like a flick off like and it's just like in a way it feel i often feel kind of bad about it especially because like an Inst- instagram dm that is not a reply to a story it's like something that someone's gone out of their way to do. Yeah, it takes uh, effort. It takes that. it's taken like, them some level of time and effort to do it. Especially if it's like a, a, a long ass email, and we, we we get like fifty plus long ass emails each day, where people have gone out of their time to really articulate for two pages what the what problem in in life they've got. And it's just like okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, this is way too much to deal with. Ignore, rather than and and even attempting to reply to that would take up half an hour of my time. Which yeah, yeah. Feasible. And so yeah, that's also running in the running background. The tragedy is that the the
1: long thoughtful messages are the hardest to reply to, and then mm-hmm. the least likely to actually get
0: yeah. a reply. If it's like, what's your keyboard? It's like, I've got a snippet for that. Yeah. You know, I can reply in like literally 30, like two milliseconds on, on while I'm on the toilet. But if it's a long thoughtful one where the question is not entirely clear, I'll like, oh, I don't know. So I'm kind of rambling. You know, just wanted to get your thoughts on the above. <laughs> well, no, yeah. What <laughs> thoughts on the above would you like me to share? It's like actually impossible. Yeah. I
1: think Instagram have also missed a trick here because when a message is in the ninety nine plus requests tab, it takes bloody four four taps to actually respond to it. You have to click once to accept the message, and then it, it does some. And then you have to like wait like half a second or a second for it to like put it into your general tab, and then it like switches to that. And then you t- then you tap to so like enter the t- into the text box. Then you type your message. Then you press send. Like it, it takes so many clicks to, to, to respond to a single message in the request folder or Instagram DMs. Whereas if it was like, you know, like the, the YouTube, I don't know what the apps called creator app or something where you can see like all the recent comments on your videos and stuff. That is really good. Cause you just see this list of comments. You can literally like double tap one to like, you can, you can like just go through and you know, if it's a sort of comment just saying, Oh, I love the video or whatever. You can just like click, like, 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 and so you can actually respond to all of these people. Whereas with Instagram, they just make it so hard. <laughs> like, I, I could, you know, I could feasibly just go through and like all these Instagram you know, messages or whatever. And then the person knows I've read it. They know like I liked it or whatever. It, it'll just
0: take too long because Instagram has like five walls up before you can actually do that mm-hmm. to, to a random yeah. message. And then as soon as you accept a request, then it's in your general tab, which means that the the, the filtering process is no longer yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Now this and person so, has unfettered access to, you, yeah, exactly. to your inbox. Yeah, so there's no way to reply to them within the within the request thing yeah <laughs> or yeah. even double tap their message because you know yeah <laughs> that's a real problem instagram <laughs> that's why i kind of like twitter like it's very it's very easy to engage with people on twitter yeah um you know dr- drop a cheeky like check the mentions occasionally
1: mm.
0: anyway my uh vi- vegan j- jackfruit biryani is, has arrived in a, really? just, just now so we should probably wrap this up um I
1: mean, there was another thing i wanted to mention which is a really cool aspect of having a following. Which is that you can you can poll people. I think polls are so underused. I I did a poll on Instagram and on Twitter yesterday, uh, asking people whether they felt respected by adults, uh, appropriately respected by adults when they were a kid. And on Instagram, two thirds of people said they mostly did not feel appropriately respected by adults. And then I got like a you know a, a ton of DMs, kind of people sharing their stories and stuff. And some yeah. of these are like really personal, intimate things. And that's just so cool. It's so cool to be able to just make. A freaking instagram story and then like yeah, yeah get all this were data were and yeah. like get all these a- anecdotes yeah it's it's just like it's unbelievable mm. why don't you do more polls oh it's on it's on the cards uh it's what do you mean it's on the cards <laughs> it's 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 on the cards when it comes to like book book stuff um why don't you just do it randomly when you're thinking about something
0: <laughs> like, i mean i often do oh okay um but yeah it's, it's definitely on the cards with with the book stuff in particular because I think I was very much overweighting kind of a scientific study. And then my writing coach was like, look, people only do scientific studies because they haven't got an audience to ask. And so you have to do an ethics committee applications, create a questionnaire, and then recruit like a thousand students from from the general public. Uh, But he was like, you can literally do that with the type of of a few clicks on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, it's not. (laughs) And I was was reading this book. um, I'm reading this book called Bullshit Jobs, um, which is all about like meaningless jobs and stuff. And most of the stuff in that book is this guy wrote an article about it in 2013. And then hundreds, like thousands of people emailed him with stories about their BS jobs. And it's just so entertaining hearing real life stories. And it's not like, you know, filtered through the lens of like a scientific study where someone has transcribed an interview. It's literally an email being like, oh my God, I read your article. It resonated so much. This is how bullshit my job is. This is what I yeah. have <laughs> doing. It's freaking hilarious. I love it. <laughs> and I think I, I really should do more of this kind of pulling stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Like also, one, one thing that would be nice, it, it, it would be nice if, it, it's, it's like the balance between um, friction for the end user versus friction for me. Like if I do a poll on Instagram and I'll, or if I, if I ask a question, it's such an absolute nightmare going through the results. Um, if I do like an assumptions or a QA, we literally have to go through, scroll through on Instagram, screenshot, adjust the screenshot, save to photo, yeah, yeah, yeah. repeat. If there was a way to export a CSV, <laughs> that would be completely game-changing. <laughs> Maybe someone should make this. Someone should say, "We, you should be able to log in, log in with Instagram. It looks through your story replies, and it just exports the text as a Google Sheet or something, or as a, as a causal model. That would be you can actually you advantage. can actually
1: export all of your Instagram data as a JSON file, and then you can probably just go through that JSON
0: and like really figure out what so you even need to if I if I if I put like a, a question on Instagram and people reply to it,
1: I I don't know what uh, yeah yeah I think I, I imagine every every like object in this. JSON thing will have a timestamp. And so I imagine you can just find all the replies that you got after a certain timestamp and then you'll have those in a structured format and you can almost guarantee that these are replies to your story or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. Ooh, interesting. Anyway, final thing I wanted to just mention before we end the episode. The highlight of my week this week was going flying. Oh, how was that? It was sick. It was so cool. So this this um this friend of mine's been into flying for I don't know the past ten years or something, and he has his own plane at uh a, a local aerodrome, I think it's called. And so we just, like, rocked up. And I, 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 I thought it's it's going to be, like, one of those things where, you know, there's there's a bunch of red tape. You're going to have to go through some health and safety bullshit. They're going to have to, like, kit you out in some kind of kit or something. There's going to be, like, an hour of bullshit before you actually get in the damn plane. <laughs> there wasn't. Just, like, parked the car at the car park, but walked up to the plane. <laughs> Took off the cover and, like, got inside it. And he, like, explained how it all works and stuff like that. And then, once we were actually in the air, um, it, this was like this was crazy i I'd, I'd, I'd never felt sort of it'd been so long since I, I'd felt any kind of thrill or adrenaline, but basically, you can do this thing where if you go like really sharply upwards, th- I mean that, that just feels like a roller coaster. It's just like going really sharply upwards, and you kind of feel the g-force of that. and so that, that itself is terrifying, and I just think <laughs> I think that was the first, that was the first time in a long time that I uh, had a sort of just sort of uncontrollably like screamed as a response (laughs) like i yeah just like completely involuntary response and i think yeah very very few things um actually make you do that and then and then you can do this thing where if you then descend at the same you know roughly the same sort of acceleration as as gravity then you're sort of you sort of feel this sort of zero g kind of thing you, you sort of feel this sort of weightless thing where like if you're f- holding your phone in your hand, the phone will just kind of stop floating and you'll no. kind of just like stop floating. Um, I mean, th- this is how zero gravity flights work, right? Like you can pay a bunch of people to take you up in a plane and they basically do this thing where they go up really high. I mean, uh, not necessarily really high, but then but you, you kind of go like down. upwards with the same rate. Of- yeah, you, well, you accelerate upwards. You just need to get to a point and then you accelerate downwards with the same acceleration as gravity and then you feel weightless. Um, you accelerate downwards with the same acceleration of
0: gravity. Sorry, how does that work? Surely it's accelerate upwards while the gravity is pointing you down.
1: No, if you if you if you if you're accelerating upwards, you'll just feel like the g-force of being like rammed into your seat. Because okay,
0: yeah, oh, okay, I got it. If you're accelerating downwards, it's it's as if you're in free fall. Or yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, fine. So, w- w-
1: what does that feel like? It's just so cool. It's so cool. It's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I actually like sort of flew the plane, like took the joystick and like flew around. Um, yeah, apparently once you're up there, there's not much that can go wrong. <laughs> like even if, even if I like ram the joystick all the way to the side, like nothing, nothing's going to happen. Like <laughs> it's all, it's all good. <laughs> okay. so it, was, it was just really cool. So does your friend own the plane or does he rent it or how does it work? No, no, he, he owns the plane. Uh, apparently he takes it to Austria, um, fairly often. Uh, and yeah, apparently if, if you own a plane, you can just like show up and fly your plane to anywhere in Europe, basically. And as long as you have somewhere to land, it's fine. And so, well, apparently, when you're going to Austria you your own plane, once you've taken off, then you just kind of leave it on autopilot for, it takes like four hours or something. Yeah. And then you could just like recline your seat and watch Netflix for four hours or something. And go, <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's nuts. It's like a self driving car. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and, and, and you can just do that. You can just, so I could, I could learn to fly, I could just get a plane and just like fly to Austria whenever I want. Yeah literally that's ridiculous that's got to be a life hack that very few people have explored (laughs) (laughs) i
1: think there are cost and (laughs) limitations to this life hack (laughs) yes but yeah how how much does a plane like that cost sorry how much does a plane like that cost i think i think sort of planes of sort of hobby hobby kind of planes you know range from like i don't know 40k to i don't know freaking i'm sure like millions so 40k is
0: sort of low end of that's quite expensive (laughs)
1: I think so. I think 40k is like a really, really basic, really low end plane that could fit two people. Yeah, <laughs> that's expensive. And then you need sort of like 40 hours of flying lessons, which are like I don't know, 150, 200 pounds an hour or something. Mm. And then you, you need to pay You need to pay rent to wherever you, whatever runway you store the thing at, which is a couple of hundred pounds a month. The fuel isn't that bad. The fuel is like not, not very expensive um yeah mate not flying lessons that will be so fun yeah i was thinking of getting into this a couple of years ago um yeah i think when once when um in 20 in 2017 when my bitcoin did really well so i was like all right, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, time all to right. Ball out. I'm gonna start flying lessons. <laughs> i didn't get around to it <laughs> but yeah, i think like i think it's 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 more doable if you like, if you like co-own the plane with some friends, you know, like you don't need your own plane just for you, right? Like if you and four mates or something co-own the plane, um, and you kind of spread the cost of the plane and the rent and all that kind of stuff. That's actually pretty cool.
0: Nice. Okay. I'm going to ask, ask if you can b- buy a plane as a business expense. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. This is interesting.
1: I That's yeah. cool that you have
0: that experience. It was
1: great. Yeah. Great stuff. We, do you want to wrap things up with a review? Yeah, let's do it. All right, there's a five-star review from Hack Rover in the Czech Republic. They say, this is the only podcast I have not stopped listening to, despite not really being into this sort of thing. <laughs> I get easily irritated just because someone's voice doesn't suit my preference, or simply because English is my second language and my attention span is very short. However, I'm happy to report that both of you are amazing, and I can only imagine what it would be like to have chats with you as friends. Smiley face. Keep up the great work. Oh, that's very sweet. That's a nice review. Thank you for that. Um, very nice review. Thanks. Thanks everyone for listening to this reflective, fairly self-indulgent episode of the podcast. And we will see oh, you in other week. week, just the podcast. So um, <laughs> see <you. laughs>
0: we'll see you next time.